everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Make Life Matter, episode three. Ta-da! I'm so glad you're here today and we're going to talk about moving mountains and failing forward. And I'm going to take you about up to 17,000 feet with me. And I'm going to talk about my experience climbing Africa's tallest freestanding mountain, Mount Kilimanjaro, and my harrowing encounter with the baboon. Yeah. But before that, I want to make sure you didn't miss last week, episode two, with my special guest, Tiffany Johnson. Guys, she suffered a shark attack while on vacation in the Bahamas, and she lost her right arm. Yet she just shares so many profound insights, including that what the devil meant to destroy her, God has used and taken and shown his glory. If you did not get a chance to listen, I really encourage you to go back and listen to episode two. Then next week, I'm going to have my special guest, Carrie Pomeroli, and we are going to just chat about all things confessions of a Proverbs 32 woman. That is her latest book, and she's hysterical. She's been on The Tonight Show 29 times, and she also has just some really deep insights to share from us from her life experience. So that's going to be an amazing conversation too, so don't miss it next week. If you'd like to be a sponsor of the Make Life Matter podcast, I would love to have you just reach out to me at AngelaDenadio.com, and you can be featured right here on one of my episodes. Well, all of us have faced mountains of one kind or another in our life, and you might even be facing one today. I want to talk about my experience climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and how God can even use the valleys of our life and the darkest seasons to reveal who he is to us. So in 2011, I climbed Africa's largest and tallest freestanding mountain, Mount Kilimanjaro, with WorldServe International. I was invited to go on this amazing trip, and it was led by the president of World Serve International, John Bongiorno, and Goodwill Ambassador to Tanzania, Doug Pitt. Yes, brother of Brad. After much prayer, research, and discussion, I committed to this endeavor, and this was my fifth trip to Africa. You know, I started Voice of the Voiceless and ministering to women in Africa four years earlier, and I was using resources from my CD sales and ministry engagements to fund projects like microenterprise for pastor's wives and kids camps and church planting. And I had seen firsthand the devastation that the lack of clean water can bring. And I wanted to personally be a part of making a difference. You know, maybe you didn't realize that 6,000 people die a day because of the lack of clean water. So could we have just tried to raise the funds for the well and not climbed? Well, yes, but climbing was a huge part of raising not only awareness, but it involved a personal sacrifice. You know, when David's disobedience in the Bible caused a plague to break out in his camp, the following happened in 1 Chronicles 21. David said to Aruna, let me have the site of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague of the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at the full price. Aruna said to David, take it, let my Lord, the King do whatever pleases him. Look, I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give all of this. But King David replied to him, no, I insist on paying the full price. 
I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that, listen, costs me nothing. I will not sacrifice that which costs me nothing. Well, this was one of the key verses the Lord used in my life to confirm that I was in his will by joining World Serve International on this climb. Well, once I had made the decision to climb, the Lord impressed on my heart to ask Cindy Zello to join me as my climbing partner. She and husband Mike Zello are directors of Fredericksburg Teen Challenge and Beauty for Ashes. Not only does she have a heart for missions, but she had hiked the Appalachian Trail 105 miles and 45 peaks in six days. So we combine my experience and knowledge of Africa with her experience of climbing and with the power of the Holy Spirit, we were a great team. Together, Cindy and I raised nearly $20,000, and due to a large donation to WorldServe International, every dollar we raised was able to be put toward the production of wells. Well, the team consisted of 44 people from all over the country, and the trip, and the team raised $500,000. We trained for three months, and Cindy and I climbed together twice at Old Rag in the Shenandoah Mountains. That was really great you know, kind of a great introduction to the massive climb we're going to undertake. Well, after we arrived in Tanzania, we spent three days in four by four Jeeps. And this was already kind of part of the preparation period as we were not only able to form relationships that became key throughout the trip, but we were also able to acclimate to altitude by driving up to the Ngorogoro crater. Guys, it was so beautiful. So we drove into the crater for a safari and every experience God takes us through has an important period of preparation and this was no different. Cindy and I never could have done this had we not prepared. By physical training, researching, and bringing the correct equipment and clothing, adjusting to altitude, and seeing firsthand the impact the wells had on a local village. You know, and sometimes I think we want to rush the seasons of preparation in our life, but without that, we can't really move on to the next season. So we visited Lobersoit Village, a remote Maasai village where World Serve International has placed a well. We had 14 team members from James River Assembly of God who had sponsored this well, and Pastor John Lindell was with us. They truly gave us a regal welcome ceremony with members of the government and hundreds of Maasai that had walked for miles to be here. You see, this bridge of the well had led to complete transformation among the people, leading to a school, a medical clinic, and a church. Their gratitude was overwhelming, and this was one of the most meaningful experiences I have had in Africa to date. Seeing their beautiful faces and the difference water has made in their lives provided additional motivation for the climb that was still ahead of us. We were able to spend the night on the edge of the Ngorogoro Crater to adjust to altitude, and then we drove down to the National Game Reserve the next day for that safari. Well, Tanzania is known for its breathtaking landscape and safaris, including the Serengeti, which I have been to since then. We saw lions, including a fresh kill, wildebeest, zebra, hippos, and, and just all surrounded by this 360-degree mountain range because we were down inside the crater. And I was reminded of God's love and how his presence surrounds us on all sides. We also saw beautiful lilies standing proud and alone right on that crater floor. Cindy and I thought about how the word tells us that God cares about and dresses the lily. So how much more would he take care of us? 
Well, we packed with our safari trekking company and Simon, our leader from Peru, had a team of lead guides. Listen, the team assisting the 44 of us totaled 164 people. We began the trek up Mount Kilimanjaro. Kili is the world's largest freestanding mountain and the fourth tallest mountain in the world. And it's Africa's tallest mountain. It stands at 19,340 feet at its summit. Originally, we were supposed to have taken one of the easier routes, and I still tease the person who introduced me to this climb, that he said, oh, Kilimanjaro is just a long hike. Well, that's a serious and complete understatement. Well, due to several factors, one being that there were a team of bikers, including Doug, that were going to bike back down after they climbed, we changed the Machami route, which is the most scenic, but it's also the most difficult of the six open routes. It involved six days of climbing, five nights of sleeping in a tent in freezing temperatures, and four ecosystems. We climbed through the rainforest, the moorland, the alpine desert, and the glacial valleys. So I've already talked to you about how important preparation is, and now I want to talk to you about how I saw the importance of being on guard. Well, let me take you back to that moment of completing that safari and it was at the gate coming out of the crater that I had a pretty good scare. We stopped to use the bathroom which is kind of their you know pit stop that all of the tours take and I thought I would be the little mom and pile up all of these cardboard boxes that had been our lunches. So I gathered the trash and whatever was left over and I kind of stacked them and started to you know exit the jeep and walk toward the trash and before I even knew what was happening a large male baboon jumped on my leg to reach up and grab the boxes out of my hands. Yeah. And I told my son who was young at the time, and he's like, mom, that's so awesome. And even though he thought it was awesome, it scared me to death. And it was a huge baboon, you know, and preparation is just the first step because the enemy is always looking for opportunities to attack us. I was half asleep because we'd gotten up super early to make this journey, you know, and sometimes we are kind of half asleep spiritually and we're not really prepared for what's coming ahead of us. And I was caught off guard. I thought it was interesting that I was told later that a baboon will not attack a male alone, only a female. Who knew? See, the enemy lies to us. He loves to get us isolated and he waits for times to catch us off guard. The word constantly tells us to be on guard against the enemy tempting us and from our own flesh yielding to temptation. Well, I actually got very little sleep the night before we started to climb. Just so much anxiety. I'm sure my adrenaline was still high from that baboon. And, you know, it almost even felt like a panic attack. And I was reminded that God was with me. Don't worry. He has me in the palm of his hand. Our first day was spent in the rainforest, complete with a rain shower, and the crew of 164, including guides and porters, set up camp for the night. We averaged about 25 to 30,000 steps a day, over 60 miles for the trip. Cindy and I shared a two-person tent, and it was tiny, and I learned how to find my way around packing and unpacking in the dark and cold each night with a headlamp. Our team of 44 determined climbers enjoyed talking and getting to know each other as we climbed. Well, Simon, our, our lead, had said that this would be the easiest day, so I knew, I knew at that point that I was in for a long week. Our crew prepared wonderful meals for lunch and dinner, and some walked up to five extra miles each day to get us fresh water to fill our camelbacks. 
Well, the second and third days were long. There were long days of climbing as we traveled through moorland and alpine desert to reach nearly 13,000 feet. I want to interject something that I didn't think about until I got back from this climb. On my desk sits this small metal block that says this, What would you attempt for God if you knew you would not fail? Well, after returning, I saw this in my office and I thought, I don't know that I would ask myself that question anymore. I mean, none of us like to fail. Most of us would not attempt things that we know in advance that we're not going to succeed at. However, most of us would also admit that we have learned more about ourselves and life and our relationship with God and others through our failures, even than our successes. I call myself a recovering perfectionist. I like to say I've completely conquered it, but I still have my moments. So understanding that, you can see that it was a huge disappointment for me to say that I did not summit and reach the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. However, looking back on the experience, the most meaningful moments of this incredible experience came because I did not summit. His word tells us that God has a path marked out for us. And I believe I did exactly what God intended for me to do on this climb. So now I would look back at this metal block on my desk and ask this instead. What would I attempt for God even if I knew I might fail? What would I attempt for God even if I knew I would fail? Look at Matthew 14 when the disciples see Jesus walking on the water toward them in a boat. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out for his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Well, you know, Peter always gets a bad rap in Matthew 14 for sinking, but he is the only disciple who at least got out of the boat and attempted to walk toward Jesus. Why would he ask Jesus to ask him to come toward him? He had to know and believe that Jesus would give him the ability to walk on the water. So I want to ask you today just to allow God to stretch you in life, to attempt things beyond your ability, to dream God-sized dreams. If you look at your life, you look at what's ahead of you, you look at the landscape of the next six months or six years and nothing scares you, you don't feel that, that adrenaline, you don't feel that increase in your pulse. If you feel like, yeah, everything I see in front of me, I can do on my own and in my own strength, then maybe you're not dreaming big enough dreams for God. See, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He is the extra. All we are required to do is be obedient. Well, the fourth full day of climbing was another 11-hour day, including the Barranco Wall. It's an ominous but rewarding challenge. I noticed I was dealing with severe nausea and having a hard time drinking and having some difficulty even focusing in the afternoon hike. My body had not taken well to this anti-altitude medicine, and I'd reduced the dosage at the doctor's suggestions. We had some doctors climbing with us. Well, this proved to be a key day for me. You know, at every at this point, everybody was having to dig deep and to find a pace to hike that would work for them. Cindy and I were hiking at different paces, and I spent most of the afternoon in solitude. Although very difficult, this was a God thing for me. As we hiked through the Karanga Valley, I was running on E, and I was getting lower every hour. I had just enough phone battery to listen to worship music as inspiration. As I say this, I can still remember those moments. 
I treasure those few hours with God as he ministered to me and he literally led me through the Karanga Valley, through the valley. I remember looking up and thinking, I'm so done. I have, there's just no way that I can, I can keep doing this. I cannot get up this hill that's in front of me. I remember leaning forward and putting my head on my poles. I remember emptying out my backpack of water, trying to lighten my load to give me every attempt to make it. I began to find it tough just to get a deep breath. And a guy gently stepped in front of me at my lowest point And he said, just follow my pace, follow my steps. And when I began to look up, I felt so overwhelmed, but I just slowly or poli poli in Swahili put one foot in front of the other. I kept my head down and I followed his feet. He led me to the top Barafu camp, which is the base camp of the summit at 15,000 feet. What a vivid spiritual analogy I have of following God's footsteps and listening only to his voice at difficult times. I thought of the scripture from Galatians 5, 25. Now that we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit, follow his lead. Well, listen to Romans 3, 27 and 28 in the message. What we've learned is this. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. We finally figured it out. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. Well, I knew during these hours that I would not summit, but I cried and I breathed in the presence of God and I had my own personal summit at sundown on the edge of the cliff at Barafu camp. You know, it's interesting to note that we can't stay on the mountaintop very long not on Kilimanjaro and not in life. Those who made it to the summit didn't stay longer than 30 minutes max. And spiritually, we can't just jump from mountaintop to mountaintop experience. We have to learn how to live and thrive in the valley, in those dark seasons, even when we don't understand. And it's there, guys, that we see that God is the God of the darkness and of the dwelling place. Well, we were to eat and get a couple hours of sleep and then attempt the summit at midnight. I could tell my heart rate was elevated and my breathing was shallow. And I asked Cindy to get one of the team doctors to help me make a decision about trying to summit. Knowing my personality, how hard I had worked, how much I wanted to try to summit, I knew I would continue to try to push myself. So I wanted to use wisdom and one of the doctors listened to my heart rate and my breathing and he made the diagnosis of AMS, which is acute mountain sickness and the beginning of high altitude cerebral edema. So he made the decision to have me and one other climber get to lower elevation to alleviate the symptoms, which is really the solution. So at 1 a.m., pitch black, as many on the team made their attempts to summit, I walked down to Millennium Camp at 12,800 feet. With the aid of two porters, would you believe I still keep in contact with one of them today, and with a father and daughter who were making the trip. The father was an Ironman competitor and an expert biker who was one of those who was supposed to bike down Kilimanjaro was his 15-year-old daughter, Grace. But he was severely struggling with the altitude, and he had developed a pulmonary edema. This walk down in the darkness was another God time for me. We stopped once to turn off our headlamps and take in the spectacular stars. I have never seen anything like it. We also turned around and watched the line of small lights, which were our team members, head up the summit in the dark. 
you know, I wrestled with my own disappointment. But while I was kind of processing that, I was so moved and inspired watching this daughter, Grace, give up her summit attempt in order to help take care of her dad. He had to be carried down later by stretcher to safer altitudes. See, God speaks on the mountaintops, but he also speaks in the valley and in the darkest of nights. I spent the next day alone in my tent awaiting the return of my team, all the climbers. From 6 a.m. to 5 p.m., I received tent service instead of room service from the gracious porters who helped me rehydrate and rest. I was able to spend the afternoon journaling and reflecting on the amazing experience of climbing Kilimanjaro. I was reminded of the scripture, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He is our refuge. I am so grateful for those precious hours tucked away in a mountainside tent in Tanzania with me and God. Sometime later in my quiet time one day, the Lord showed me this passage out of Song of Solomon. But Solomon replied, like the lily among thorns, remember that lily I told you about on the crater floor? So are you, my love, among the daughters. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. So I went with him, and we were climbing the rocky steps up the hillside. My beloved shepherd said to me, O my dove, while you are here in the seclusion of the clefts and the solid rock, in the sheltered and secret place of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. My heart was touched, and I fervently sang to him my desire, Take for us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For, for our vineyards are in blossom. She said distinctly, My beloved is mine, and I am his. He pastures his flocks among the lilies. You know, I read that, my thoughts immediately went back to that small tent where God and I shared those moments. See, all of us face mountains, and one of those mountains is disappointment. We each need a secret place for the Lord where we can go and we can share and, and unburden our hearts in his presence. Maybe disappointment in the way a marriage has turned out or, or children who aren't serving the Lord or confusion over what the next season is supposed to look like or, or struggles with your health like I have had or maybe it's financial difficulties. Whatever it is, disappointment can creep in and it can really try to siphon off our joy. So we need to find these secret places and have these times where God can restore us and he can try to take the foxes that attempt to ruin what he is doing in our lives. See, we are his lily among the thorns. He is our shelter. He is our refuge. He is our hiding place. He will give us the grace and the strength that we need to face any mountain, wrestle through any disappointment, and learn to fail forward. The sixth day was a full day of descending down the mountain and there was no grand welcoming committee and really no finish line. It's just a small team of locals who served us a light meal and asked for a, a small token payment so that they could take off and wash our boots. And I sat there and I watched them and I thought, how like God. The team returned exhausted and a little shell-shocked, and after a good night's sleep, we made the descent down the mountain the next day. One more impacting moment came that morning before we began the climb down. We had a brief ceremony thanking our team of porters and guides, telling them the purpose of our climb was to put clean water wells for their people, and we sang, How Great Is Our God. 
They sang African songs for us. And then John Bongiorno asked John Lindell to pay, pray a prayer over the team of porters. No other spokesperson was visibly moved. And he said that in all of his years of climbing, no team had ever prayed for them. That evening at our closing ceremony together, our head guide, Simon, talked about how deeply impacting this had been for him. He wasn't a believer, but he said this really, really challenged him to think about faith as he watched us, you know, in close, up close and personal interactions over those six days and watched the way we loved the African people and prayed for them. The goodness and greatness of God is that he cares about water for the masses and living water for one. I'm so honored to have been a part of this journey and I'm, I'm th- so thankful for the perspective I received, not only in the valley, but also on my mountain moment. You know, God is the God of the mountaintop, but he's also the God of the valley. He's the God of the darkness and he's a God of the dwelling place. I needed that reminder this week. Just a week ago today, I was in a pretty terrible car accident when someone turned in front of me while I was going through an intersection. It's been a really challenging week as I... As I record this, my arm is in a cast as we're trying to see if it's broken, a broken wrist, and you know, just some injuries I sustained, and the car was totaled, my airbag deployed. You know, it's been a mess. It's been a mess like we're talking about here on this podcast, but I am determined to look for the miracles even in the mess. You know, sometimes life just does not turn out the way we expected. I didn't get to summit Kilimanjaro. I I had to be okay with that disappointment. I had to be okay with failing forward. And I just want to encourage you, whatever you're going through this week or this month or a season, that God wants to meet you so personally, so intimately, no detail of our life escapes him. And so I'm I'm just thankful for our time together. I'm thankful for a God that loves us, who always wants the best for us. And who is going to meet you no matter what it is you might be facing today. I also want to challenge you as we end our time together. What might you do for God even if you knew you would fail? There is some God-sized assignment that has your name on it. And I just encourage you and challenge you to step out in faith. To follow him. He is our guide. He is our pace setter. Like in Galatians, stay in step with the Spirit and you will accomplish what God intends for you to accomplish. I want to just close by praying over you today. Lord, I thank you for every person who is listening to this podcast. I pray for anyone who feels like perhaps they have failed, that you would remind us that we can fail forward into you. Thank you that no matter what disappointment we face, we can always trust you to be our guide through every valley, through every mountaintop. Help us to stay on your pace and not to rush ahead of you and not to lag behind you. Thank you for your protection, your preparation, and your purpose as we seek to trust you in every decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at Angela Donatio BOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, 
leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.